Last Sunday, I, I shared a message entitled, uh, Remember Your Chains. And, and that's a really important message. But the more important message was that remember, your chains are gone. And, uh, and God has freed us. It came from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, in the middle of the, Moses sharing the Ten Commandments and in sharing the fourth command, the command to remember the Sabbath day of all things, right? God takes the opportunity to remind Israel in Deuteronomy 5.15 to remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So that was their, our, our message from, from last Sunday. And, and, and God's command is not just for them to remember the Sabbath day, but to remember Him and what He has done to bring them freedom from 400 years of slavery where they could not worship. And now that they're free, to take this opportunity to worship. But whenever you get a, 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 the opportunity to be free, and that opportunity to be free comes with a command, it kind of like, hmm, I thought I was going to be free. <laughs> so, so God frees the people of Israel, and then he gives them the command to remember him. And observe the Sabbath. To, to, the command is to observe the Sabbath. Is that really freedom? Then if, if, if you're giving me this freedom, don't I get to choose whatever I want? That's, that's the thought that we have when it comes to, to freedom. Because freedom means I get to choose. And that, that's what freedom looks like to most people. It looked like that to the people of Israel, obviously. Because when God freed them with a distinct purpose. You understand that, right? God freed them and said, the purpose is in your freedom. You are to remember me and observe the Sabbath to worship me. That's God's plan for his people. Well, they, they took on their own idea of what that freedom looked like. And wherever they got to travel to and wherever they went, instead of worshiping God Almighty that freed them, what the Israelites did was, they began to worship the gods of the lands that they went to. When they were in Canaan, they worshipped the Canaanite god and goddesses. They worshipped the god of Asherah and Baal. And they were unfaithful to the god that freed them. And they took advantage of that freedom to do what they wanted to do. And, and this became a pattern and a cycle for the people of Israel because they forgot. That's the problem. God said, remember that I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, with a mighty hand and outstretched. Remember that. And now observe the Sabbath. They, they forgot. And when they forgot, that led them to worshiping other gods and turning away from God. And what God did was he raised up prophets like, like Jeremiah and Hosea and Ezekiel to remind the people again who God was and to bring them back into this covenant relationship with them, with him. And they did for a while until they forgot again. 
And this pattern and this cycle of, of forgetting and doing their own thing only for God to raise up a prophet and remind them again and, and call judgment on them to help them to remember who God was. And they came back again only to forget. And this pattern went on and on and on until God sent his son Jesus into the world to reconcile the world back to God. And this cycle that, that the people of God has gone through continues to repeat itself. It began when Israel was freed from 400 years of slavery, set free by God. And they should have been faithful. They should have been faithful to him, but they weren't. And this cycle came all the way to Jesus And when Jesus came into the world, he liberated the world from their sins and brought freedom from being captive to the very things that hold people in sin. Jesus gave his life to set us free. And you would think, wouldn't you, that people would be devoted to that sacrifice that Jesus made and they would be faithful to live into the freedom that Jesus came to bring them. But people aren't. And maybe it's because how we view freedom, right? How, how do, how do we, we, we view freedom? Here at Mission Church, what I have seen is that people view freedom um, in some dynamic ways. I remember not too long ago, whenever we would dismiss the children... I would hear cries of, finally, freedom, as they rush out the doors to go to children's church. And I applaud that because I think that's hilarious. And uh, children, they, they love their freedom. <laughs> Other ways that I have seen freedom expressed in churches is people want the freedom to worship however they feel like they want to worship. People feel free to follow God the way they want to follow God. It's my personal choice, isn't it? Isn't it a personal decision to follow Jesus? So if I want to follow Jesus this way, Who's to tell me I can't? I'm free. Church, honestly, I'm positive that that is not the way God intended the freedom that we have received from Him to be lived out, to choose however we want to do things. We already know from Deuteronomy chapter 5 that when God brought freedom to His people, He called them to remember. And that remembering was supposed to lead them to being faithful to God and to worshiping God Almighty. And so, I just want to, what I want to do is I I just want to highlight this this journey and this cycle of freedom in this day and age in which we live by looking back into a parable that Jesus gave to us very familiar one of the prodigal son 
in Luke chapter 15. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 15 because we're going to look at the very familiar story of the prodigal son. And in this, in this, uh, in this parable that Jesus shares, I want to highlight three examples of how the prodigal son circles into and lives into this cycle that I, I, I talked about with the people of Israel and how they moved closer to God and then were set free and then left and then came back again and, and, and kind of tie all this in together. So, as we read through the, uh, the Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son, see if you can identify the cycle of, of bondage and freedom and maybe find yourself in this story in Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so, he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he, and he set off for a distant country. And there, he squandered his wealth. He squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything there, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And then he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. So he got up and he went to his, back to his father and he said to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up. And he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son, and the son said, Father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. Let's kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Oh, I love this parable. So much in it. And today what I want to do is highlight the movements that we see of bondage and freedom and bondage and freedom and bondage and freedom. And let's see if we can't find ourselves kind of somewhere in this amazing story here in Luke chapter 15. Did you catch the three movements, the three examples that the prodigal son moved from bondage to freedom? Because this isn't so different from the kind of bondage and freedom that the Israelites walked through. And that sometimes, I think, is our story as well. 
And so the first bondage that we see is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty clear, I think. It's the bondage that the son felt like as he was working for his father. Right? He felt like he was in bondage. Growing up, did you ever feel like you had to break free from your parents and get out from their shadow? Right? Some of us feel, maybe feel that way. I know my children, I think, feel that way. <laughs> or, or, or if you have a family business, right? Some people may have grown up and, and, and your parents had a family business. Mine did. Um, I, my dad had, a, had a, um, a lunch wagon, right? And now lunch wagons are real popular. Back then it wasn't so uh, glorious. And um, yeah, today it is. People, they, they think, you know, lunch wagons are amazing. Um, Josh, my, my dad worked in Wahiwa selling Manapua. He had a Manapua truck. I say that to Josh because he understands he's from Hawaii. And you probably remember seeing the Manapua man out there. And that's what my dad did. He had a family business. And when I was a kid, because I was the youngest in my family, I was forced, <laughs> I was, to work with my dad in the school year Every weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And in the summer, I would work six days out of the week. And on Tuesdays, I had my day off. Right? For me, <laughs> that felt like bondage. I relate to the, the young son, the prodigal son, very well. Because I get it. Man, it's a lot of work. For, it was a lot of work for me as a young teenager. Working for my dad that way. Oh, and the prodigal son, living in that oppressive life, <laughs> wanted out. He was in bondage. And so you know what he does. We read the story. He asks his father for his share of the inheritance. And for those of you who have studied this, and I know many have, you understand the implications of what takes place here. If you don't, I'll just briefly tell you. We all understand that an inheritance comes when someone dies and leaves their children their estate. But you have to have the dies part first, right? When I die, my, my inheritance will go to my children. That's the inheritance. When you ask for an inheritance before you die, in, in the Jewish culture, that's saying to your father, you're just as well dead to me. Give me my part of the inheritance and let's cut ties. I am out of here. Can you imagine your child saying that to you? Right? That's what's going on here. And it's heartbreaking for a parent to ever hear something like that from their child. If my, if my daughters said that to me, I would be a mess. But that's what is happening here. And in this parable, the father gives his younger son, his share of the inheritance. And the prodigal son finds his freedom. So here you go. Bondage to the father. And now, ah, finally, freedom. And this is the freedom that he's been wanting. He's looking for, right? He gets his inheritance. What does he do? He leaves town. He bolts. And he finds his, himself in another land, 
And then he begins to live out what he feels like freedom is to him. The Bible interprets it as wild living, right? I think that's what it said. He engaged, he indulged in his freedom and, and, and he, he lived it in wild living. He squandered everything. What is, what is wild living like? Is that a bad investment? You know, he put all his monies in, in Bitcoin. No, I don't think it was that. Did he buy a new car or a chariot maybe for his day and age, right? It wasn't that. What is wild living? For me, wild living would be going to Pebble Beach and playing golf for a whole week every day. Oh, that's wild living. Woo! (laughs) Whatever it was for him, he squandered it all. Every last bit. All gone. And then the worst thing that could have happened, happened, right? A famine hits the land. There's no food to be found anywhere. And he is stuck in this time when there's a famine in the land. And with no money in a foreign land, he is struggling to survive. And what he thought would bring him freedom actually begins to bind him again. With no money and living in a foreign land, he's he's back in bondage. But this time, the bondage is to the consequences of his own decisions. Have you ever made poor decisions in life? And regretted it because those decisions led you to being bound in ways that you never thought you would? I see a few heads going like this. The rest of you, you just don't want to admit it. (laughs) But it's true. I have done things like that. I think we all have. And in his bondage, he seeks, he sinks deeper and deeper into bondage because the only way he can squeak out and eke out a life is if he sells himself to a pig farmer to survive. And he becomes a hired servant. Oh man. He was once a son. Now he's a hired servant. Wow. Verse 15 tells us that. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And what he thought would bring him freedom bound him even tighter than he had ever imagined he could be. And so, this prodigal son was in such a bad place that the parable tells us, the Bible tells us. He was so hungry. His job was to to watch over the pigs and he looked at the food, if you can call it that. The Bible says pods. I don't know what that is. But we know what pigs eat. We call it slop. He's looking at the slop the pigs are eating. And he longs to fill his stomach with what the pigs are eating. And you know what the Bible says? No one gave him any of it. Oh, man. He is in a dire, dire spot. No one gave him anything. And and we're back into a time of bondage again. Oh my goodness, this bondage is so tight he can barely move. 
But with that bondage, there's a glimmer of hope. And that hope comes from what brings people freedom. And you may not have seen this in this passage before, but I want to share this beautiful hope of freedom with you. It comes in verse 17. And in verse 17, these are the words. When he came to his senses. Do you know what when he came to his senses means? It means this. He remembered his father. Isn't that what God calls us to do in Deuteronomy chapter 5? Remember, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. He came to his senses by remembering his father. And he said, in my father's house, his servants, they have food to spare. And here I am, starving to death. There's that glimmer of hope for freedom. Freedom, church, like God tells us, comes to us when we remember him. And right here in verse 17, the son finally remembers. And freedom comes to him in this moment of clarity, in this crisis moment, as he is hitting rock bottom. The prodigal son is right there. And he begins to find freedom from his bondage when he remembers his father. And so what's the way out for him? He knows that his, the servants from his father's house have more food than they could even want. They have food to spare. And he's starving. But how do you go back to your father when you've stuck your finger in his face and you say to him basically, I wish you were dead so now I can get my inheritance. And when I do, I am out of here. I'm not coming back to this place. I'm cutting all ties with you. And he leaves. How do you come back from that? How, right? The only thing the son has to give right now, what is, he's got nothing. If he had his inheritance, he'd give it back to his dad and say, take the inheritance back. But he's got nothing. So the only thing he has is himself. And right now, it's not worth very much at all. He doesn't even have dignity. He doesn't have hardly anything. But he has himself and he has a confession to make. And this is his confession. It's an honest one. And it's a heartfelt confession. And here's what it says in verse 18 and 19. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He gets to the place where he realizes that going back to his father to be in bondage to him again 
means that he will be freed from where he's at. That's what it says. He's in such bondage that going back to a place where he thought was bondage is really freedom. And he's willing to be a servant, a hired servant of his dad. He's willing to be a hired servant of his dad because that's infinitely better than the current state of bondage that he's in. He's got nothing to give but himself and an honest confession. And so, from where he's at, he travels back to his home. And the whole way back, I believe he's rehearsing in his mind what he's going to say to his dad. I have sinned against heaven and against earth. I mean, against earth. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like a hired servant. He's rehearsing that over and over again in his mind. That's all he can think about because that's all he has to give. I got nothing else, nowhere to go. This is my last resort, my crisis moment. And this is the best part of the story, church. He's making his way home. He's on his way back, but he's still a long way off. That's what the Bible says in verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And the father, he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and started to kiss him. Wow. Not the response the son was expecting, that's for sure. The son was probably expecting a stern rebuke or some sarcastic remark like, what's the matter? You run out of money? The father was all over his son, hugging him and kissing him. And I give credit to the son in this moment. Look what happens. Not wanting to take advantage of his father's kindness rehearsing what he's going to say through the whole trip. He gets to his father and in the middle of the dead, kissing him and hugging him, the son says to the father, I have sinned against you, against heaven and against you. I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just, would you make me a servant, one of your hired hands? I mean, he means it. He has to get this out in the middle of the kissing and the hugging. Father, I'm not worthy. And you know what the father does? It doesn't even acknowledge the son's confession. You notice that? He doesn't say a word to his son. You know what he does? He calls the servants over and he says, Quick, bring the best robe Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger. Sandals on his feet. Oh my goodness, look at your feet. You need a pedicure. <laughs> it doesn't say that. Put sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. We have... Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And now he is found. That's the heart of my sermon right here. 
This is the good news of Jesus. And this is the third example of bondage to freedom. Right? The first example was the son wanting to be free from the bondage of his dad. And he's such a tyrannical dad. I have to work for him every single day. I am out of here. I think that I consider you dead. Give me my share of the inheritance. Woohoo! I am free. Free to do whatever I want. And when I do what I want, I end up in bondage again. Bondage that I never even knew could happen to me. I am so stuck in this pit, I don't even know how to get out. I am, I'm going to hire myself out to somebody and work as a servant. Just to squeak and eke out survival. I am bound again. But freedom comes. When I remember, and that's what God calls us to do, remember who he is. And in that remembrance, I find the hope of freedom because I think, but I got nothing to give. But if I go back to my, all I have is a heartfelt confession. And I'm going to just tell my dad, I can't even be your son anymore. Just let me be your servant. And his willingness to be a servant, still bound, right? Making his speech while his father's kissing him. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just make me your servant. I'm willing to be bound by you as a servant, not even a son. And what happens here? The Father sets him free. The Father sets him free and plans a celebration for him. Wow. That's the good news, church. So, what happens to this prodigal son? We... We know what the older son says, right? (laughs) That's a sermon for another day, though. (laughs) But we don't know what happens to this prodigal son, do we? The story ends right there. But you know what the hope is for the prodigal son? That the freedom that he receives from his father leads to a deepening relationship with his father and serving his father, not because he has to, but because he loves to. And that's where we're at today. That's where we're at. God is saying, remember me? Remember when with my mighty hand and outstretched arm, I freed you? From your Egypt, you may not have been slaves to Egypt, but you were slaves to something. Do you remember when I saved you out of there and I gave you freedom? What are you going to do with that freedom? Are you going to do your own thing, which leads you into more freedom? Or are you going to live into the freedom that I have for you that really sets you free? I have heard this people, people say that this parable is mislabeled, right? 
It's called the prodigal son. This parable surely should be called the faithful father. Because God has been faithful. Have you ever squandered God's grace? And then come to your senses and remembered who God has been to you. Church, I want you to know that when you make a heartfelt, honest confession, God hears it every time. And sometimes you can make it at the altar. Sometimes you can make it where you're sitting. It doesn't matter. You could be way far away. But when you're ready to come home because you remember who God is to you, He hears it. I'm going to ask James to come back. James, can you, can you lead us in the chorus of that song, The Goodness of God? Because it says, All my life you have been faithful. Oh, as I was singing that, I was just thinking of my message today and how beautifully, how beautifully that message resonates with my sermon today. Because that's who God truly is, isn't it? God is faithful. And God's desire is not to bind you. It never has been. It's to set you free. Today, I close with the same verse that I closed with last Sunday in John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. But in your freedom, let's not squander God's grace. Would you find your way to faithfully following Him? Let's pray, church. Father in heaven, we remember you today. Whether we're in the pit of despair or we're living our lives, Lord God, as you call us to. We never want to forget where we have come from and what you have freed us from, Lord. Because if we do, we end up like this prodigal son taking advantage of of the freedom, Lord God, that you came to bring to us and just doing our own thing. And that is not what you've called us to. Help us to never forget what we have been saved from and what we're saved to. And today, if people are still bound, I want you to know there's good news that Jesus is surely come to set us free. Free from the bondage of the things in this world that keep you from being faithful to God and worshiping Him fully. And so today, let's pray. Lord, free us. Free us and forgive us, Lord God, from the things that keep us from truly worshiping You. Free us and forgive us, Lord God, from anything that, it, that we place higher than You. Unshackle us, Lord God, so that we can be faithful as you have been faithful. Forgive us.
cleanse us, make us free, we pray. Make this heartfelt confession real in your own heart and life. And I promise you, regardless of you're here in this sanctuary or in our extension room or listening online, God hears you and he is filled with compassion. And what he wants to do is come alongside you and hug you and kiss you. Put a robe on you, a ring on your fingers, sandals on your dirty feet. And celebrate because his child was once dead and is now alive. His child was lost, but now is home. Thank you for your freedom that you came to bring, Lord God. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen.